Welcome to Elements of Community, a podcast about discovering and exploring the elements of community. I am Lucas Root, and each week we talk with a community leader about what makes their community thrive and bring value to both the leaders and the members. Join me as we unpack the magic of the elements of community. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you and I have been friends for over a decade, um, and our friendship has grown in that time. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I, my, my purpose uh, in life is recognizing that we humans are profoundly connected to one another. I, mm. I, my purpose is to raise up those connections so they're noticeable and recognizable in our day-to-day life. Uh, and and recognized as a, a source of uh, inspiration and strength, yeah, insight and belonging. And, wow! Uh, and so that's uh, that is kind of that is my north star that guides me. Uh, and there's lots of spheres in which I play. I've I uh, have been an entrepreneur in the recruiting and staffing space for most of my professional career. Uh, that's behind me. I worked as a, a coach in helping senior executives who dread going to work in the morning and uh, want more for the last stretch of their career. And uh, uh, right now I have uh, accepted my, my first job since 1994 as uh, Chief Inspiration Officer of a consulting and uh, convening company uh, called Connext. And uh, Connext uh, uh, is, uh, is a company that recognizes that it is the way in which we interact with humans that really allows for uh, effective solving problem. And it's, it's more about setting the, uh, the environment for things like innovation and effective communication, which is most important. And so we work with companies in very, very critical areas um, and, and solving really hairy problems by using the really fantastic resources that they have available to them, the people within those, those companies. Wow. You know, I've known you for over a decade and I didn't know that that was your purpose. Now, I knew that I loved you and I do, but I didn't know that was your purpose. I've just recently started introducing myself uh, with that concept. Um, yeah, and it's been, uh, um, it's opened up a lot for me. And uh, I think being able to be, um, yeah, I was uh, having dinner, about a year before the pandemic, so sometime in 2019, uh, with uh, a good friend who said his purpose, and it was almost identical to mine. The language was a little different, and I realized, oh, yeah, we have this incredible bond that we didn't even know about. And so I've taken to looking yeah. to introduce That's the way I'm feeling right now. <laughs> yep, yeah, and, uh, and very germane uh, for um, our conversation about community, because I think that that is, that common purpose is the cornerstone of, of any community that has people gather. And yeah. uh, the degree to which that is recognized and held up and articulated in a way that really resonates um, is, a, is a real defining um, aspect of, of community. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Tell me about your community. What do you, what do you guys call yourselves? Well, so, I mean, I think, yeah, if, if community uh, for me is a, a group of people who have gathered together under a specific purpose, um, then, uh, yeah, I'm in several overlapping communities. And I think, um, and the degree in which those overlaps are closer to me or more farther away really depends on the, their connection to my personal purpose. Mm. So, um, I am a Quaker. I am a uh, um, an, uh, an entrepreneur. I'm a, a change maker. All of these these groups have their own communities, um, and all of them, uh, you know, the ones that I'm connected to with, or the subsets of those communities that I'm most connected with, are ones that share my purpose, or or at least purpose adjacent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. So you have a community that that thinks of themselves as entrepreneurs who recognize that there is a deep connection with humanity 
between humans in humanity um, and believe that it's important to lift that up. Yes, so uh, that is more at this moment of time. I've been in very structured communities, so I was mm -hmm. the um, I was the found one of the founding members, uh, the four founding members of the New York chapter of Conscious Capitalism, uh, mm -hmm. which was uh, a community that I um, still is running and effective to this day. Um, I. Uh, no longer participate in that community actively, although there are plenty of people within that community who are my uh, comrades in arms, I think, you know, and, uh, but I think that, that uh, and there's just a, an ocean of uh, purpose-driven, uh, purpose and impact-driven entrepreneurs who, you know, I am loosely affiliated with, and when we run into each other, I, you know, they're just like the moment that you and I shared when I shared my purpose, uh, when we discover that common uh, direction, we, we recognize that we're fellow travelers, and and then there, there are groups that are a little bit more closely aligned uh, toward that that I, I participate in, and I think and communities that have yet to be formed mm. around that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, and what other sort of umbrella and then sub umbrella communities are are you playing with as well? Well, so I think, yeah, I am, uh, my faith is I'm, I'm a Quaker. I'm a member of the Religious mm -hmm. Society of Friends. And I, I think that that is probably the most influential community that I have participated in. And uh, the one that I participated in for the longest period of time. Um, I have been involved in that, that community since I was a child and, and really very actively from, you know, the time I was a teenager up until now. Um, and then I, you know, there have been, yeah, associations uh, that I've been part of that have been, um, at certain points in my life, really meaningful. Um, I joined, uh, you know, an organization uh, when shortly after I started uh, my career as an entrepreneur, when I realized I had no idea what I was doing uh, and uh, needed some some guidance. I joined a community called, uh, at the time, it was the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. And then mm -hmm. the young folks got old and we, we got rid of the young part and we just had the entrepreneurs organization. And that was um, an incredibly valuable and wonderful community. But uh, my uh, the purpose of which really s ceased to resonate with me over time. So mm. I pulled myself out of that community and that was really how I entered. Um, uh, and at the same time, really deepening my relationship with my Quaker community. And mm -hmm. the, the goals of the entrepreneurs organization and my personal goals were no longer the same. And uh, it became really clear that I needed to pull out. And, uh, and then really the opportunity for me to uh, uh, join uh, Conscious Capitalism and actively work there. And as I realized that I, I felt that, um, I realized that what they were pulling for was not going to bring me to my purpose, I pulled back mm -hmm. from there. And, and uh, the missing element. The deep human connection. Well, I think, you know, I think one of, uh, and this is the, the confusing part, uh, but I think um, when we look at structures of power within a community, they're mm -hmm. very, very dynamic. So mm -hmm. as Quakers, we have a, we have, uh, a very flat hierarchy and uh, we have no clergy. What, yeah. what does flat hierarchy mean? It means that the concept of leadership is a not fixed. So it's not like there is someone who is in charge. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so as Quakers, the principal belief is that there is that within all of us that is sacred and must be cherished and that connects us to one another. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, that is often referred to as the inner light. Some sectors of Christianity would refer to that as the inner Christ. Um, you know, and uh, uh, but uh, the sect of Quakerism that I'm part of is not necessarily a Christian religion. We we base our philosophies on Christianity, but we recognize that there is there is uh, focusing on that which is sacred within us and connects us to one another offers insights, frequently mm -hmm. insights that are beyond our intellectual ability. And so I think we've all had those moments. You referred to them as downloads uh, in some of your work. Uh, and, uh, but we've all had I those do. moments where we've had realizations that are much greater than what our intellect can 
uh, connect us to. And so, but that is the core concept of Quakerism, is that we have the ability to connect with, with, with something that is greater than ourselves. Mm. And whether or not you call that God or, or whatever, is that is really your personal choice. Mm. Um, you know, and it's not for me to tell you how to interpret that or, you know, uh, or what uh, dogma or scriptures that you should be focusing on or what you take from those things. That is something that you gain from, from that uh, understanding. And so all of the principles of Quakerism derive from that, uh, that understanding. So we have certain... Now, is that true of all Quakerism or of your sect? Uh, for the most part, uh, it is. Uh, I think uh, the, the difference between sects are, are, um, are, are minor. But that understanding of that, uh, you know, that reliance on that inner guidance or that inner light um, mm. is uh, uh, is consistent you know, throughout so the different sectors. How, how does that inner light create a leadership scenario? And what does the leadership scenario look like when it happens? Well, so I think, you know, when we when we look at leadership, we, we have really been taught to do so from a very hierarchical structure. A king, a general, uh, you know, uh, someone on top who is making the decisions for those who cannot. And, you know, in that concept, when we recognize that um, all of us have access to a greater truth, I think there's a few things that we take. So Quakerism has certain testimonies, um, you know, uh, you know, and all of our testimonies are centered around creating uh, a deeper understanding of that, um, you know, inner light and that connection between that inner light. So, uh, you know, uh, simplicity is one. Uh, simplicity, not just of our surroundings and possessions, but of our thinking, you know, so that we can better hear that truth that we have access to. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, integrity, right? Yeah, you know, not just doing what you say you're doing, but staying true to who you are and the requirements of your community. Um, you know, being and and the very act of of stepping out of that integrity is confusing. It makes it very difficult to understand. Yeah, you know, that truth. Um, mm. Yeah, from a simple standpoint, uh, I have a 19-year-old daughter, and yeah, you know, when she was uh, a newborn, she'd wake up in the middle of the night and would cry. Um, and I was working, and my wife was home, and there are times where I would have to, I would wake up and I'd hear my daughter crying, and my wife would be asleep, and I would feel, you know, what I should let my wife sleep, and I should take care of that. And that mm -hmm. is a leading that you know came from something that may or may not be beyond me. But mm -hmm. once I have that leading, you know, if I don't do it, if I step out of integrity and decide not to do it, I then need to justify it. So I then mm. need to say all the reasons why I am more deservant of sleep, despite the fact that I had this inclination, you know, to interrupt my sleep, to give my wife some time to rest. I have mm -hmm. to justify that decision. And I usually have to do it by making me higher than she is and making her lower than I am. Yeah, mm. so I'm the one who does the work. She's at home. You know, all of these justifications which put um, distance between me and my relationship with my wife. So integrity mm. is a real important uh, part uh, of that. Um, okay, pause. So yes, so you just outlined um, an example of of an access to higher truth that creates a leadership scenario. Exactly, and it so it is it is that uh, that insight. Yeah, that will allow for a leader, not a title or position or history, but that moment where, you know, someone steps into a realization that gives them authority. And I think this uh -huh. is something that's really important with community is I think where we run into trouble is we look as authority or insight you know, or power as a fixed item. It's not. Yeah. Power and, and it shouldn't be. It's very fluid. It's very yeah. fluid. And it is, and we run into trouble when we rec when we don't recognize that fluidity. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, as leaders and as community, we, yeah. Uh, and this can be, um, I mean, yeah. Right now, I mean, we're, yeah, uh, yeah. The president of Russia believed he had a particular authority, and the world is disagreeing. Um, yeah, and 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 it's that that struggle of who has that authority is 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 one of the many things that is is, is problematic. Fascinating. Okay, so somebody will, um, a circumstance will arise um, that will prompt connection with a higher truth and somebody will connect with that higher truth and that person will assume leadership um, in that circumstance. Is that, am I hearing correctly? 
Um, yes, mm -hmm. yes, but uh, I think, and so um, uh, others of our, so the, the main testimonies and there, this is again, not a fixed thing of Quakerism, is uh, simplicity, uh, peace, integrity, uh, um, community, um, uh, and one other that's escaping me at the moment, but it'll come back to me. Uh, it will. Yeah, uh, yeah momentarily. Uh, but in, I think in a minute or, or tonight. Yeah, exactly. You know, Sometime, after you yeah. fall asleep, you'll yeah. sit bolt straight up. Look at that. That yeah. was it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, um, uh, but I think that that understanding of truth that arises is mm -hmm. also the recognition that our view of truth is corrupted. It's corrupted by our histories. It's corrupted by our emotion. It is uh, corrupted by our point of view, our prejudice. Yeah, so we, we have this access to the truth, but we need to test it in community. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. in community. So, yeah, I, um, I might say my truth and you might say yours. <coughs> we both have access to the same truth, right? Sure. But we see it from a different perspective. Sure. So it is through that community uh, that we're able to see uh, um, the complete truth. So. My, my, the analogy that I like is we all have access to the truth, but we're peering into a keyhole to look mm. at that, that truth. And so we only see part of it. And from you a really particular need... perspective or point of view, you really need that holistic understanding. We need a lot, you need, we need you several need hundred people. Peering depending that on the complexity of the situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it may be just two, it may need 200. Um, yeah. But to really get that full understanding or at least a close enough understanding chart away forward but it is it is by by listening you know to the wisdom of others for the truth that allows for that and then i think there's also aspects within the you know, other different roles within leadership um mm -hmm. so uh so uh for quakers we our meetings are led by a clerk now the clerk mm -hmm. their responsibility is to make sure that there is an orderly meeting um but more importantly to listen to the truth that is emerging uh, between, yeah, within the group, um, mm. and to be able to speak to that truth. Mm -hmm. But it's also very important that, that that clerk is not part of that decision-making process. Is not, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, throwing their their understanding into the fray, but rather mm -hmm. listening to what others are saying and what is emerging, yeah, from those statements. That higher truth that is emerging. That higher understanding of the truth. Mm. Yeah, that is emerging. Just like, you know, the 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 four, uh, or the the blind men feeling an elephant. You know, the one mm -hmm. who feels uh, the trunk thinks it's a snake. Yeah, the one who you know feels the the legs thinks it's a tree. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, but it is that under the person who's listening, yeah, you know, to what everyone is saying to be able to say, no, it's not a tree. It is not a snake. Yeah, you know, it's an elephant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I I follow. So, have you ever been mushroom hunting? I have not. I have not, but I'm excited to hear your analogy that you. I I have. Here's what's cool about mushroom hunting: when you you can read any number of books, and you go out into the field, and you're still not sure whether or not the mushroom you're looking at is one of the poisonous ones or one of the edible ones. Books don't get you there. Standing right next to the mushroom with a picture doesn't get you there. What's amazing is if you go with a, a master, I've used this analogy in a lot of different aspects of my life because I've come to see this as one of the pathways of true learning. If you go with a master and you go hunting, when that master connects with their mastery, they don't even actually have to open their mouth and confirm for you when you're in their presence and they're connected with their mastery, then you know. Um, it's, it seems to me like these two things are very closely connected. My experience of that and, um, what we're talking about here, where somebody will take a leadership, um, a, a leadership role in a scenario in order to connect with truth. Yeah. And I think that that can come in, uh, you know, in many ways. And I think that that's, um, yeah, uh, and it just a uh, so there's two examples of, of leadership that I love. 
Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to give the minor one first and the major one. So uh, in my meeting house, uh, we had uh, two closets and they were populated primarily with cast off wire hangers that people had get brought in from their dry cleaning, um, which is fine for a light jacket, but for a heavy winter coat, it's miserable. And so I remember complaining like kind of stupid wire hangers. And there's a woman, uh, Mary, in our community. So Mary's retired um, and she took on a job as a massage therapist um, so she could be more social, but she didn't really need the money. So all of the income she made from being a massage therapist, she would donate. And so Mary had the same thought that I did. These stupid wire hangers were driving her nuts. And for me, it was a complaint. But for Mary, it was an issue of leadership. So without mm. asking anyone or, you know, you know, asking for you know, funds from the meeting, she just went ahead and bought a sufficient number of wooden hangers and mm -hmm. replaced them all uh, you know, one, uh, one weekend and, and took action. So it was, you know, it was the, it was, it was not, it was really just a moment of seeing what was needed and providing it, period. Mm. And mm -hmm. it was obvious to many of us. And it was a really important lesson uh, for me. And I, uh, um, and I hold that because I think when we, when we look at Quakers, for example, uh, a lot of people say, oh, you don't have clergy. Well, the truth is, is we don't have laity. We're all clergy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that when we look at the modern business organization, we look at it as there's the leaders on the top and there's followers on the bottom. But the truth is, is the opportunities for leadership in the example uh, with, uh, uh, with Mary, Mary are all over the organization. Mm. And when we, and even if we look at that more hierarchical structure of, of, of leadership, uh, and we look at the reality of what happens you know, in that more hierarchical structure of leadership where someone is recognized as the leader, well, there are plenty of leaders within the organization um, sure. who support that and, mm -hmm. and calling out that. So I think my favorite example of that is with the I Have a Dream speech on the March of Washington. Mm. And, um, you know, that, uh, and I think that moment was brought together by so many acts of leadership, you know, in the background. Um, yeah, so, um, um, the, you know, uh, so first and foremost, I think it's, it's important to recognize that Martin Luther King never, uh, intended to give the, uh, that uh, that speech that day, he had a completely different speech prepared, and it was about um, what was uh, the bad check that had been given to uh, Black Americans, and that was what the speech was was intended to be. That was his written speech, but he had given another speech a few weeks before that he was trying out, and it was tr yeah, it was working with the material of the "I Have a Dream" speech. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to certain recordings of the High of a Dream speech, you can hear the faint voice of Mahalia Jackson calling, you know, tell them about your dream, Martin. Tell them about your dream. <laughs> and here was this moment. And just think of the audacity, you know, I mean, you know, of someone saying to Martin Luther King in the middle of a speech in front of hundreds of thousands of people, you know, to that he's telling the wrong speech in the middle of it. Not before, no, no, you should tell this speech instead. In the middle of this speech, mm -hmm. you know, to yeah, like the, just the, 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 the courage and the and conviction and the audacity of that moment. Yeah. Um, but in that moment, King recognized that the authority had shifted and Mahalia Jackson had a greater understanding of the truth than he did. Mm. Put aside his written note and he began to tell us about his dream. And, and so what made that moment possible was King's words being called out by a leader that he recognized. And in that mm -hmm. moment where that authority had shifted from him to Mathalia Jackson, and he recognized that, and that is what capitalized and allowed for one of the greatest, I, th I think one of the two greatest moments of oration in American history. And it wouldn't mm. have happened without that dynamic. Mm -hmm. And even, um, uh, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 there's there's significant other moments, you know, that have happened, uh, you know, uh, you know, to uh, allow uh, allow for that to happen. And so when we look at a, a moment of great leadership like the the I Have a Dream speech, it is actually a collection of hundreds of moments, you know, that made that possible of leadership from. Yeah, from uh, from many many different different places. Yeah, so um, somebody will step into leadership for a situation um, when it's called upon, right? When they have access to that higher truth and um, and and they they see they they have a vision of how that truth is going to be carried out, and the people around them either accept it or they don't, and 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 that creates the community around that vision, right? What is it that makes that person an effective leader? It's not just access to truth. No, it's not. And I don't actually think access to truth is necessary component of, of leadership. And I think that's uh, an important thing to recognize. Mm -hmm. um, so it is the ability to, one, create the environment where that truth can be heard can be can be spoken, heard, recognized, and acted upon. But it is not so yeah you know, the necessary the, that uh, it, you need to have all of those components with you. But you need to be able to create the environment where those things can happen. Yeah. So in the Martin Luther King example, it's a community of maybe let's call twenty. Right, the, the people that are standing there with him, including Mahalia Jackson and Martin Luther King, it's a community of that 20 that are recognizing the vision that she's created and acting upon it. So, um, so yes, so I think particularly in that scenario, there has been a, a, you know, a community that is centered toward a higher purpose, equality. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's this recognition of there are many people who are moving in that direction who have insight and understanding. Yeah, so of course. I, I think, um, you know, and but so in that moment, she was the leader in that moment. She was a leader. Yeah, she was a leader. And I think, you know, we look at leadership. Yeah. And I think it is it is a uh, condition of our of our well, I mean, thousands of years of hierarchical leadership structure. It's just not that simple. Yeah, the world is much more complex than any hierarchy can can manage, and 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 I think it is just yeah. You know, hierarchies can be very effective as long as they make room for that understanding of complexity and fluidity of power, right? Sure. I don't think there's necessarily yeah. anything horrible about yeah you know, uh, hierarchy in general. Although I prefer organizations that have less of it, personally. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, but. But it is that understanding of hierarchy as a fixed position. So if I am a leader, I'm CEO of an organization, I can be very effective as a leader as long as I understand the fluidity of, of that power you know, and the necessary uh, uh, ingredients to make sure that those things for an effective organization or effective community are in place. Um, and I'm creating those conditions. So part of what makes an effective leader is an understanding of the fluidity of authority. And the ability to create the conditions that allow for truth to be unearthed and heard and acted. Yeah. Cool. So I have a business example. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for that. Um, uh, which for me was really transformational. Um, I... Uh, so had a staffing industry that you know well, Wall Street Services, mm -hmm. um, and we did really well uh, in online reviews for a long time because we would ask people who loved us to write reviews, and they were more than willing to do so. Mm -hmm. And um, and then Yelp came around, and Yelp uh, highlighted reviews of people who reviewed more often, mm -hmm. which wasn't necessarily the case with what we were doing. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Can you hear that? No. Okay. Um, just a little echo of my voice. Yeah. Um, so I, um, 
And so Yelp came around and we were getting the, the priority reviews were not the people who worked for us, but the people who had registered with our service and we had decided not to work with. So suddenly we went from a five-star reviewed agency to a two-star review agency. Oh. <laughs> and I had viewed the people who we had decided to employ as the important ones. And I had mm -hmm. not really done what I needed to do to take care of the people that we had decided not to represent. Hmm. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that was the core of the problem. Mm. But I didn't recognize that. What I recognized was we, and my, so my solution was focused on get more of the people who love us to write reviews. Yeah. And there's this woman, Becky, who worked for the organization who said, no, that's not it. We need to take better care and manage the expectations of the people we decide not to work with. And I didn't think that she was right at all. I just didn't think that was possible. I had tried some things in that area. They were misinformed and not the right things, but I was convinced that that wouldn't work. Mm. And she was so insistent on it. And one day she said, Peter, it's a violation of our core values by continuing in the direction you want to. And oh. I couldn't argue with that. Even though I didn't believe she was right, I threw up my hand and said, all right, give it a try, do what you want. And when it fails, we'll do it my way. Which is just a horrible way of going about it. But fortunately, <laughs> I was uh, dead wrong and it became apparent. And we implemented the strategies of, of better communications about our expectations and standard and better care and communication about who we would represent and who we wouldn't. And immediately mm -hmm. the bad review stopped. Hmm. And for me, it was really, that, that was where I learned that lesson, that my job as a leader was not to have the answers. And matter of fact, I was never gonna have the answers. It, sure. was, it, was, it was, my job as a leader was to make sure I had the environment where that truth can be spoken, where others could hear it, season it, improve upon it, and that that truth can be recognized and then quickly implemented. Mm -hmm. And that was for me just a freeing form of leadership and a freeing way of being within community. Because in that previous model, that hierarchical model, I have to have all the right answers. And yeah. clearly from that example, I don't. Right. So yeah, when we look at imposter syndrome, that's the construct because we are. We are pretending to have all the answers when there's no way we could possibly have all the answers. Yeah, that's what imposter syndrome is. You know, is, you know, is that dynamic. Our very notion yeah. of leadership as a, this hierarchical structure, the one on top who has all the answers, yeah, is a recipe for, you know, for that insecurity, you know, that difficulty. But that being able to step into a leadership position and know, yeah, I don't have the answers. I don't know how we're going to solve this problem but have the faith in your community that the answer will emerge because you've set up, you've set up the conditions to allow for to emerge. You, you have the trust within the organizations for people to hear and understand the, the truth. You have the respect for people to be able to listen to divergent opinions about that truth, to understand a greater understanding of truth and to, uh, and for that truth to be recognized by all and therefore easily it's a very, very different concept of both community and leadership. And so then leadership can emerge through and, and does emerge throughout the organization. Yeah. And that's something that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I would have decided I wanted to know and love that pre that pre Becky theater. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I am uh, really grateful uh, for her. Yeah. And me too, because yeah. I do know and love you. It is mutual with us. Yeah. Yeah. It is mutual. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was a really big change. And it was, I mean, there was a lot of anxiety that I was feeling. Yeah. And uh, not to say that I'm completely free from anxiety, but man, being able to walk into a room and know that I don't have the answer and I don't need to have the answer and have the trust of the people around me that they do. Uh, mm -hmm. And all I have to do is listen. Yeah. And make sure that other people are listening. That's, that's a very comfortable game. Uh, and it's a yeah. way to play. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Let's do more of that. Yeah, I think so. And that's, 
and 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 when I look, and that's what I'm really excited about the my my work with Canaxed is 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 really how do we we bring those understandings to the corporation? You know, because collaboration is not the norm. You know, and you know, in order for us to understand complexity, collaboration must be the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really must be that listening for a higher truth is absolutely essential. You know, when we look at you know seventy percent of strate- major strategic initiatives fail, and that has been the failure rate for the past twenty years, hasn't changed. We've brought all sorts of things in the mix to change that. Yeah, it hasn't changed. So when we look at that. The strategic initiatives that we need as a as corporations, as governments, as society, as humans, yeah, thirty percent success rate ain't gonna cut it. No, it's horrible. It is horrible, and it's consistent <clears throat> not just with corporations. If you look at public aid projects, same ratio of failure, yeah, to success, yeah, across, yeah, uh, the, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, across uh, sectors, yeah, mm. that dynamic exists, and that understanding of a hierarchical understanding of power knowledge and structure in my understanding is the root yeah and 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 we don't quite yet have the organization don't use my name like like that that. (laughs) it's the right is this (laughs) is the cause i apologize yeah 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 but the the anecdote the root of the anecdote is is community and collaboration yeah that's awesome um how do you uh, create and foster engagement inside the community. Yeah, that's a um, a really interesting question, um, mm-hmm. and I think it has a uh, surprisingly simple answer, which is also uh, equally complex. Um, you engage a community by asking them to do things. Mm-hmm. It's so like a project. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's all sorts of things that are necessary. Is it something that they want to do? Is it something that they're capable of doing? Um, you know, is it something that they have the tools to do? Is it something that they have the authority to do? Right? Yeah. There's all sorts of things. But the truth of the matter is, is yeah, you know, is uh, yeah. If I am asking people who are you know to to take a bolt and put it into slot A over and over and over again, it's going to be very hard for me to engage people. Right. If yeah. that's is if I'm if how it is that I'm limiting you know their 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 scope down, I need to widen their scope, um, mm-hmm. you know, and to being able to to do more. I need to be able to give them the tools that they need to 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 play in that arena. Um, you know, I, there's all sorts of things that I need to do to allow that. But you engage a community by asking it, you know, more of it. And, and, and that seems really simple, but what is it that, what, are you asking them to do the right things? Is it consistent with the purpose of the organization? Is it consistent with their purpose you know, as an individual? So that's where things get complicated. So it's not, just, it's not just a project for the sake of a project. It's a project in pursuit of the purpose. Right, right, mm-hmm. yeah. If, uh, if the, yeah, if, uh, exactly, yeah. If I say, hey, Lucas, I want to engage you more. So we're going to dig holes in your backyard and then we're going to fill them up again. Um, yeah, you're not going to be engaging, yeah, to you unless you need exercise and can't think of a better way to do it. Yeah, dig holes and fill them up again. Um, and I'm uh, pretty confident, uh, having gone on runs with you, that uh, you've got many ways of accomplishing that. Um, yeah. So it really does need to have a, a higher purpose. Yeah, but uh, if you've got a broken arm, you know, even if there's a higher purpose in digging a hole and filling it up again, you're still not going to be able to do it. Yeah, nor if you don't have a shovel. Yeah, but I could yeah. participate. Yes, you very could. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have a shovel, but you have a bucket. Awesome. Yeah, we, 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 there's some things that we could do there. Yes, you yeah. could. Yeah, I love it. Um, how does uh, how does purpose show up in the way that you engage with communities, and and how do they engage with purpose regularly? Yeah, so I think, um, so every community has a purpose, whether it's stated or unstated, where it's clear or unclear. So I think that that purpose is necessary and that purpose of direction for you know, an organization, uh, you know, but then there's purpose of action. Well, hold on. Is it possible to actually be a community if the purpose is not stated and not clear? 
You can be yes. a group. You can be an organization. Can you be an actual community? Well, um, so for example, uh, I am a. I have my community of Quakers. Very, very strong community. Yeah, but then I have a community of neighbors, right? And there's my neighborhood, yeah, and the community of my block. Now, I'm not quite sure what the what the common purpose of the community of my block is, yeah. Uh, but I, I know it exists. So does it? Do the, does your community of your block do projects together? Um, well, I don't think you know necessarily you know projects is is where it's necessary for engagement i don't think it's necessary for the community so our project might be that we just live on the same block yeah or our, our common activity is we live on the same block and hmm. and i think there are certain values that we share as a community and and i think that purpose might be very very similar that we want to be you know safe and happy and you know and uh yeah you know, you know, what it might be very very simple but i think there there are there are, there are things within that community that are are necessary. So, for example, I live in Brooklyn and we got a lot of rats right now. You know, and I've got a neighbor who uh, who has in front of his house a massive warren of rats in the tree pit in front of his house. It's disgusting. Yeah, and I two months ago said, hey. Do you need help taking care of this? Referral to a exterminator or the, yeah, to let him know like this is your responsibility, and you are out of line by not yeah you are not respecting the rights of our community by not taking care of your property in a way that's impacting our quality of life. So it's a vile well yeah so his inaction is a violation of in my opinion of his standards of community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and he can choose to take care of that or not. He did so in an effectual way. He just put dirt over the hole. Yeah, rats really, you know, thought that was a very nice uh, inconvenience and they went around it and just dug other holes. Yeah, so it didn't solve the problem. Um, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, and, and which allowed me to go back to him and say, no, no, that's not a sufficient response. You need, you know, something more. And so it is the boundaries of that community that give me the right to have that conversation with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, authority. Uh, but, well, I don't know if I have authority, right? Yeah. Clearly, he didn't take care of it when I first did it two months ago. Um, and we'll see whether he does that yeah, then. And, and if he doesn't, which I suspect that he won't, yeah, then yeah, I have to get other aspects of my community involved, whether that be yeah, a call to the city. Yeah, you know, to make a report, uh, it might be a request to another neighbor to have a conversation with him. There might be a, no a number of actions, yeah, you know, that I, I can take within that construct. Uh, uh -huh. But that is, I think, my neighborhood is definitely a community, uh, not a very strong or, or it definitely has a purpose. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, I don't think my my neighbors do. I think we all have a general understanding of what uh, the purpose of our community is, but we have a vague understanding that there's something that connects us to. You know, uh, to each other. Um, man, it may be that we just we live near each other, and there's certain things that we want for ourselves and our families, and our experience in that neighbor neighborhood that uh, that we all think that we share. Hmm. That's a very very loose community, and not a very strong. But it's important wonder, that I recognize it, respect it. Yeah, I wonder how different the world would be if people thought about their neighborhood like that. Haven't we all seen Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street? <laughs> yeah, but that's just a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is 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 true. But I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's. I, I say it because the first thing I thought of because it was really the things that really, uh, you know, gave a real foundational understanding of of what a neighborhood should be. Yeah, you know, for me. Yeah, when when you say neighborhood and, and Sesame, I think of Mr. Rogers and, and Sesame Street. When you think of neighborhood, or when I think of neighborhood. That's that's the the first thing I think of, and so, mm -hmm. so yeah, and I think that's a another really aspect, uh, important aspect of communities. We need these symbols, you know, that we hold that you know kind of allow us to give the the boundaries, so to speak, of our of our community. Mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe there needs to be a vision, or at the very least, a map. Hmm. Huh. And how does that touch back with purpose? So I think 
you know, there's a lot of aspects of community that are important, right? There are the commonalities. So I live on Pacific Street in Borum Hill, in Brooklyn, in New York City, in New York State, in the United States, in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, you know, and in on the planet Earth. You know, there's a delineation of, of community. As we broaden it, my understanding gets more and more of, of what that purpose is and more and more vague and diverse and probably larger. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. But as we narrow down, um, you know, that purpose might become a little bit more significant and visible, mm-hmm. but it's still unclear. Right. Yeah. I, I think I have an understanding, you know, that my you know, purpose of my neighborhood, you know, is to be safe, is to be respectful, to have a place to live that is fun and engaging and, you know, and clean and has the resources we need and all of those things. Um, yeah. but outside of that, I don't quite know. Yeah. yeah. But I know that there are certain, um, you know, shared understandings within that, that are important. And I think it's, you know, for me, the evolution of, of, of Brooklyn is, is one that's really interesting. You know, so when I first came here, you know, in high school, one of the things I noticed uh, in, you know, that neighbors really valued that interaction, you know, and as Brooklyn became different over time, there, there were people who came in who, who, uh, who didn't value that as much. So I remember having a conversation uh, with a, uh, a neighbor on the street and a woman with a stroller demanded very rudely that we get out of the way. And, um, you know, as uh, people who had been in the neighborhood and for a long time and recognized that was part of our community, that we would stop and talk to each other in the street. And then to have someone who didn't recognize that norm get annoyed by it. Yeah, it was an indication of a change that someone had this different view. It's not, you know, uh, about neighbors talking to each other or being kind to each other. So sorry, would you mind, you know, uh, moving so I could get by, you know, or, you know, yeah, that was, was not part of the equation because that person did not value, you know, the fact, uh, this, this understanding that part of our neighborhood is that neighbors stop and talk to each other. Yeah, that, uh, that the purpose of sidewalks is not just for getting from point A to point B, but it's for running into your neighbors and as a place to facilitate conversations and connections. Sure. Uh, yeah, so that it's a was a local park, as it were. Yeah, uh, yeah, a very uh, a big distinction. Um, you know, the extent to which people sit on stoops and and don't. Yeah, I have a neighbor Mary who's been here for I don't know how many decades before me, um, and she is regularly on her stoop. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, as and uh, it's a space that I enjoy sitting as well. M- yeah, Mary. Yeah, it does a lot more than I do, and I think yeah, we are one of the few uh, regular stoop sitters in our neighborhood. Yeah, uh, or that was not always the case. You have a, a community of stoop sitters. Now it's a community of two, unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, mm. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. How do you how do you how do you grow that community? Yeah. Well, so and I think that that's um, yeah that's a an interesting concept and. And I think that that growth can come from a, a number of ways, but I think it mm-hmm. is really, it is, uh, it is two things. It is one, communicating that shared purpose and making that clear and lifting mm-hmm. that up so mm-hmm. that people can recognize it. Oh, that's me. Yeah. But then. So you need a, you need to carry a sign with you and put it up behind you when you and Mary are sitting on the stoop together. This is the stoop sitters. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing, you know, is the very fact that we are sitting on a stoop, you know, engaging with people is a sign, right? Mm. Yeah, the very fact is is, 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 is is our action. We are we are sitting there. We're not mm-hmm. in our backyards. We are on our front stoop. We are engaging with people as they pass. That's the sign. Yeah, um, yeah. we're sitting on a stoop. We are stoop sitters. That's the, all the sign we need. Um, but we are we are public in that. Uh, whereas, yeah, sitting yeah, in my backyard alone where no one can see me or engage with me, yeah, uh, is a very different sign. Yeah. You may even have a stoop in your backyard. I do have some steps in my backyard leading to a deck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No one walks by it. But... Yeah. No. Yeah. Huh. So okay. yeah. And yeah. And that yeah. And, and the sense of a, a, a stoop sitting, it's that common purpose of 
of engaging publicly with my community, whether it be a good morning or a longer conversation with someone as they pass by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think, yeah, but yeah, so it is, it is, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, my purpose by sitting out on the stoop is evident that I want to engage and my action by engaging with people, I am inviting people to engage. So that very mm -hmm. act, yeah, is creation of community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I am, I am, I am, I am being visible in my purpose. I am making it apparent and I am engaging. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think those are the two baseline understandings. I think from there, there's all sorts of other things. Common yeah. Understanding way of communication. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That flow of information. But I think those, if you're looking for what are the two main ingredients, yeah, I think it is, it's purpose and engagement are, 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 are the top two. Okay. Now, um, how would you create a project for the community of Stoop Sitters? To foster um, and deepen engagement. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, I, I, that's a, let, let's play that one out. Um, so I think we, I would ask something bigger of my community and that mm. could be anything like, Hey, let's have a block party or you know what? That We're would be all bigger. tired of these rats. Let's get together and deal with them. Yeah. So uh, it is that sense of engagement. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. And that, yeah. And that engagement, you know, even though my community has a, a loose and undefined purpose, it is, you know, it is that purpose of action. You know that is related to that that larger purpose that mm -hmm. uh, that people can bring together and will that purpose of action will cause that engagement yeah you know, there so um you know and it, it is is asking you know someone you know to do a project uh, or to join you in a project mm -hmm. so yeah that uh awesome uh probably i think one of the best ted talks of all time the three or four minute ted talk on how to start a movement um i don't know if you've ever seen it it's probably one of the greatest uh it is a three minute video of some outdoor concert where one guy is doing this crazy dance over and over again and he's all by himself doing this crazy dance over and over again at this concert. and obviously people are watching it and someone's videotaping it but at one point you know, this guy comes up uh, and follows him and starts doing the crazy dance, but he doesn't do it correctly. You know, so the leader no, no, shows him, no, no, that's not how you do it. This is how you do the crazy dance. <laughs> and together in unison, they're doing the, you know, uh, the, these two of them are doing this crazy dance together. And then a few more people join. Mm -hmm. And then a few more people join. And then mm -hmm. more and more until people are rushing to do this dance together. And so literally- so he has, he, he... He has his purpose. He's wearing it on his sleeve. He's got his sign up. He's he's sitting on his stoop and engaging with people. Yeah, he's doing his crazy dance. Someone walks by, they have a conversation. Maybe you know, uh, you know, in that the stoop sitter is teaching you know that first follower, you know, you know how to engage in this conversation. Maybe the stoop follower mm -hmm. will will, uh, will sit and join them, and maybe other people will be invited to, or maybe you know that follower will say, "I got a stoop." This was kind of fun. I'm going to do it again on my mm -hmm. stoop this time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to invite. Yeah. And so they're propagating, you know, that activity. Yeah. You know, there. And so there's many ways. So I think, yeah, you know, there is, you know, there is that, you know, invitation to join. And then there's that joining. And then there is that really making it of their own, uh, which, mm. is, which is part of it. That, that they, they enroll and are enrolled. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and um, and I will uh, I'll send you the link to uh, yeah that TED, uh, TED talk. Uh, it's it is, it is really quite brilliant. And the um, uh, uh, the 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 final line or the punchline is uh, the you know, uh, the, the difference between a lone nut and a leader is the first follower. Yeah, mm. which is something that I love. But yeah, and I, I I don't view it as simplistic as that. It is really. Yeah, you know, it is it is that that first connection, you know, that recognition of of that insight, of that brilliance, of the awesome dance, of the importance of a statement of another is is what is yeah, is is that necessary start to be able yeah. to yeah you know, to launch that. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Peter. Pleasure.
Um, what, what question did I not ask that I should have? You've asked a lot of uh, really awesome questions. I think we, we have had a great conversation. We have. Um, the, I, I don't know if there's any questions that you haven't asked, but I think other things that uh, we could continue to talk about uh, are how, uh, how do communities interact in a way that allows them to grow quickly? How do they use things like conflict to, uh, to transform them? Right. Um, yeah. You know, uh, how is it that uh, you know, what's the difference between uh, being positional or dogmatic and, and listening and flexible? And, and how do you uh, deploy those things? And, and, and how do you define lines around that? Um, yeah. You know, and what's right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, it is very important for me as an inclusive leader to listen uh, to what others have to say. What are the mm -hmm. boundaries on that? Yeah, mm -hmm. I have uh, very little uh, patience or ability to listen to someone who is blatantly racist. Uh, but my denial of their voice um, also at the same time makes it yeah, impossible for us to be part of a larger community. Yeah, so how do you bridge those gaps? Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are all important aspects of community and developing community. Uh, and particularly, uh, because you know, and I, uh, I suspect, knowing what I know about you, is that it is that act of community and strengthening that is what is necessary to solve what it is that needs to be solving in order to make sure our planet exists, to make sure that our species exists. You know that yeah, things have become too complex. They need to be solved through community and strengthening. And the very fact that right now, in this very moment, we have all of the technologies we need to, to heal the planet. It all mm -hmm. exists right now. And it's not, doesn't need to be developed, it just needs to be deployed. We're not gonna do it without community. We're not gonna do it without community. Yep. The hierarchical has proven 70% failure rate. Yep. We know it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Gotta change. Amazing, I love it. Um, you you know a thing or two about some of those conflict in particular. You have a TED talk about it. I do, I do. Um, yeah. How would you like people to engage with you? Well, I think uh, the uh, LinkedIn is is the main social platform that I use. I, I, I lurk on Twitter, but I don't do much there. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, LinkedIn, uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of Peter Laughters out there, so I'm easy to find on LinkedIn. I don't uh, think there are. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, Connext, uh, K-I-N-E-X-T.com is the website of, uh, of uh, the company that I, I work with and the team that I have a great pleasure of working with and doing this work of, of really strengthening communities in ways that have corporations uh, be more effective and for people to be able to experience true collaboration within their work so that they can a be more effective at getting things done but more importantly how can they have that experience of community and collaboration in the area of work where we spend the majority of our waking time you know uh, you know and so that we can bring that to other areas of our lives so that can be disseminated yeah, to our neighborhoods, to our faith communities, to our political structures. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so that's uh, connects.com. And uh, yeah, so those are, are the two, two areas where you can find out about Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, definitely look him up. Always a friggin' blast talking with you, Lucas. You, yeah. You are the, uh, uh, you, you, you have your foot grounded in a corporate world and another foot grounded in a very ethereal spiritual world and it's a rare combination of people who can use both so. oh wow thank you thank you you're welcome i feel seen thank you for joining us this week on elements of community make sure to visit our website elementsofcommunity.us where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our EOC Inner Circle. 
where we deep dive with each guest on the inner workings of their community. We cover things like community model, profitability, and engagement strategies. You can join the inner circle at elementsofcommunity.us forward slash inner circle. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.